Hi, this is Dominic Kearns with the Rising as One podcast. Before we begin, I'd love to thank several sponsors. I'd like to thank the Beautiful Game Network first. You can find all their stuff at bgn.fm. They're responsible for getting many great USL podcasts out, so please give them a look. Also go to firebirdsoccer.net. This is the new website for our former Firebird Rising coverage, so you can find all sorts of great coverage for Phoenix Rising FC and other soccer-related news in the state of Arizona, all at firebirdsoccer.net. And lastly, we would like to thank Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is a uh, sponsor for, you know, MLS teams, USL teams, all sorts of other stuff. So go to Roughneck Scarves and find a scarf today. And now let's get on to the show. Hello and welcome to the Rising as One podcast. Kyle couldn't make it here today, but we do have Jeff on. Jeff Went, how are you doing? I'm doing okay, Dominic. Uh, tough week uh, for the boys. Uh, not quite uh, what we had all expected, but I guess in the grand scheme of things, you know, after all the results of the week, we didn't come out too bad for the weekend. No, I mean, I guess. In the league context, because we still are second place in the table, but um, it's uh, it's been a very frustrating week. Uh, two bitter losses in the backyard both times, so you don't even have that excuse that there's travel involved. Um, travel will be involved in the upcoming future, but let's not jump too far ahead. Let's uh, let's get into it. Um, so the first match this week was our Open Cup match against Sporting Arizona FC. Uh, Sporting Arizona FC, a UPSL team, um, lower division, and we were thinking that this would be a fairly comfortable win, right, Jeff? Yeah, I mean, you're thinking, okay, we've played them in a closed door. We're we're going to be just fine here. You know, granted, we weren't going to run out Didier, and we weren't going to run out the big guys. And but I thought, you know, even when I looked at the starting lineup, I thought we ran out a solid starting lineup. And I really didn't think that, you know, looking at that lineup, you know, this wasn't going to be really an issue to me. You know, but you know, watching this match early on. It just scared the living daylights out of me that we just didn't look like we had the legs under us. I mean, you were there, and you saw everything. So, I mean, I'll let you run through it as we go through this match. But as I'm watching it from work, I'm watching and just didn't see the movement of these guys I was really expecting to see. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a match where 30 minutes in, I knew it was going to be a tight one. I knew it was going to 
you know, if we were going to get through, it was only going to be by a goal or maybe we'd put a second goal in late, but it wasn't going to be a match. We just cruised to victory. We weren't about to score four or five on them at any point. Um, it was an interesting lineup and frankly, one that I thought was fairly strong. Uh, Carl Wazinski in goal, uh, the back three with Victor Vasquez, Mala, and Dubose, uh, Colin Fernandez, Devin Vega, Ricci, uh, Waldrop and Rigi in the midfield, and then Freighter and Cortez up top. Uh, so you're thinking, wow, that's a pretty strong lineup. You know, even Jason Johnson, Gladson Awako, Amadou Dia, and Mike Defont are on the subs list. Uh, Cody Wakasa as well. You're thinking, damn, that looks like a strong lineup. Looks like we should win. I mean, we're really going for it here. But, you know, a couple half chances early, but nothing too significant. You know, in the third minute, Victor Vasquez zooms a ball across the face of goal, but Kavon Freider can't quite get the touch he needs there. Eighth minute, he gets a free kick, came pretty close, just went wide left of the post. Um, Ryan Flood for the host had a half chance, and Chris Cortez did too. Neither chance really tested the keepers. Um, in the 23rd minute, Alejandro Aguilar tried to lob Carl Wazinski. And that really didn't come off. And so after those first 20 minutes, you started to see a change. You started to see the home side really come into this match, get more comfortable. And they were always going to play a lot of men behind the ball, try to try to hit us on the counterattack. And they really didn't pose much of an attacking threat in that first half. Duigi Mala played a very solid game, as one would expect when you're going against a lower division club. But he just looked solid back there in that first half. Um, so they weren't able to do too much. So really, it was us trying to find those those holes, but Sporting was doing a very good job of limiting our penetration inside the 18. We had to try a lot of long shots. If we were trying to thread passes through, they were getting intercepted. We had some corner kicks, but we just weren't getting deliveries we needed on those corner kicks. Nothing was really testing them at all. Um, and so the offside trap was frustrating us a lot. They played a very effective offside trap when they would get the ball up in the midfield and then we'd try to hit them up front with uh, with Kavon Freider. You saw them on multiple occasions get us on that offsides trap. Um Aguilar had to come off in the 39th minute for Sporting AZ, for Jose Ramos. Um, what I heard after the match, that actually seemed like a pretty significant injury uh, for Aguilar, so you hope he's doing all right, but it, it sounded like a season-ender for him. Um, but they still played very well, and like in my eyes, I think it was a very deserved halftime draw. I mean, we really didn't force Andrew Weber to do too much in that first half, there were there were chances by Rigi and Vasquez, but nothing that really made you hold your breath and think, "Ooh, that's that's gonna be the moment." Like nothing took an amazing save or anything like that. If we were able to get shots on goal, it was just right at him. Yeah, you know, it just watching it, you know, you could see Sporting AZ there. You could definitely see their plan was to was to stay behind the ball, and they did such a wonderful job in that first half of doing that. I mean, you could see the guys were getting frustrated not being able to get the balls in the middle, uh, you know, not getting solid 
shot attempts off in that first half, but you could you could see the could see the frustration level starting to build a little bit at a time and a little bit at a time, you know. But like you said, hats off to the boys from Sporting AZ. They definitely earned that first half draw to be zero zero and you know to to not allow as many shots as what you would have expected Phoenix Rising to get off. I mean, I, you know, they did a they did an excellent job in that first half. Yeah, they they played a very strong half there. Um and and just limiting the opportunities, which I think is a very important thing when you're an underdog like that and you're going against a team higher division with so many capable players just to limit the opportunities even if we have a lot of possession, they weren't giving us strong possession. So we get to the second half, though, and Phoenix Rising was ready to uh, come out and make something happen. And so after halftime, you see Victor Vasquez with, I think it was supposed to be a cross. It ended up being a really dangerous effort that Andrew Weber had to uh, punch away. But then it went to Devin Vega with the big opportunity. Unfortunately, he just hits it right at Andrew Weber. There were three or four times in this match where guys really could have placed the ball better um, on pretty decent scoring opportunities, but it either missed or went right at the keeper. Like, at least two, three times, he didn't even have to move to catch the ball. Um, And so they survived that. David Paul actually had a a nice curling shot in the 54th minute that Carl saved. But finally, this happened for us, and it kind of comes out of nowhere. Not really our best chance necessarily, but uh, Chris Cortez gets a ball, um, creates some space outside the 18, and just a well-placed shot into the bottom right corner. Really well-placed. Uh well worked the kind of goal that you would expect uh someone like chris cortez to put in in an open cup match like the kind of this was what i saw his role being like at the beginning of the year is okay maybe he won't start a ton of matches for us but he'll get those big goals in the open cup and he comes through right there um and around this time oh go on no that was a great you know that was a great goal by chris cortez i mean he just found that nice quiet little open space and you know had Weber, you know, beat completely, you know, you know, great effort to get that ball into him. I mean, and then, you know, on top of it, just, you know, take that little step and then find, you know, again, find that quiet open space and be able to roof that ball, you know, spectacular shot by Cortez. Definitely. Um, I'm trying to go back and watch the goal that, that sporting actually scored because there was a lot going on. Uh, Rising was making two substitutions. It looks like the video is not on their Twitter. That's unfortunate. Um, but anyways, the Phoenix Rising was making a couple substitutions. Um, Alessandro Rigi and Devin Vega were coming off. Amadou Dia and Jason Johnson come on. And I was wondering after that, after we scored, is Jason Johnson even going to come on now? Because... Dia came on right before the goal, but then afterwards, I think I was like, "Oh, maybe, maybe we'll make a more defensive sub." But we ended up bringing Johnson on anyways, and that was a little confusing. And immediately afterwards, Sporting gets a great chance uh, down the 
field and just I don't even I don't even know who got the assist on that goal but it was Danny Arubla in the middle um our left wing was a little wanting on this play it really just they just stormed down the field and a good cross in and and uh Carl was kind of on an island it was just Arubla versus him and Arubla just smashed it um right down the middle roofed it and won one immediately that's that's the thing that's just stunning for me because I feel like okay that whole match I was thinking oh Jesus you know this is kind of going tough but once we had that goal I felt very confident that we were just going to see it out maybe win 2-0 that was the last thing I saw coming it was just straight away they tie it you know not only that but just it they they make the two substitutions and to me it seemed like all of a sudden they were kind of in a little bit of disorder. I mean, it didn't seem like, you know, even though Dia comes in and, and slots into his spot and Johnson comes in and slots into his spot, it seemed to me for a moment there, and maybe this was that point right when it happened, that just the communication level just kind of broke apart a little bit, I guess you could say, and maybe that's what ended up causing this goal is just the fact that, that they didn't get there's they didn't get themselves set up right away as they were coming into the match disorder is exactly how i would describe it and i was very fortunate uh thanks to kyle kepner who's now working at sporting az to be right next to jose bosch to be right there just as close as the players themselves i mean right at the center field stripe and basically where the subs were coming in and out and there was all sorts of chatter for both teams like I've never seen a substitution take that long and have that much confusion as when, uh, especially Johnson coming on on that second one because people are like, oh, is he still coming on? Is he not? Okay, I guess he's coming on. Is Are they making a double sub at the same time? I guess Dia's coming on first. It was just total chaos. Um, I, think, I think Dia came on after the first goal and then Johnson came on after the second goal. But... Th- yeah, I think so. Because I was wondering, like, oh, is Johnson going to come on? And then they ended up scoring, so of course he's going to come on. But it was almost like we were preparing to put these guys on because it was going to be a nil-nil tie, and, like, we were preparing to break the tie. But the timing of that goal almost threw everything off in a weird way. Um, and so I think I think that's a perfect way to describe it, is disorganization. Because even when those guys came on, there still wasn't quite that communication, and Within, within like, 60 seconds of us scoring that goal, it was basically their first attack. They tie it right away. Um, and it, I, I wish I had the video in front of me, but it seemed like a midfield breakdown that got them the ball down the left flank, just bring it in for that shot. Yeah, it just, yeah. I mean, you, you talk about it, you know, like you said, like I said, this disorganization just seemed like that's what it was, you know. But you know, again, hats off to Sporting AZ for 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 noticing something and taking advantage of it. I mean, you don't expect those types of things to happen, you know. And here it is, all of a sudden, now it's one-one. I mean, now now you're just all right, new ball game all over again. Yeah, to put it a different way. There was more time between the ball hitting the net for us 
and the ref blowing the whistle to get things started again than from the ref, the ref blowing the whistle to their goal. I mean, it was just instantaneous. So yeah. we, after that, it is a new ball game. And Dia tries to play a ball for Kavon Freider just a couple minutes after they tie it. But this is where Andrew Weber's experience comes into play. This guy, their keeper, had played in MLS in the past, has a lot of experience. He came out to deny Kavon Freider. Kavon Freider tried to lob it over him. Um, but then in the 75th minute, less than 10 minutes after they tie it, Sporting Arizona has an unbelievable chance. The ball breaks perfectly for Arubla. Again, right in the middle. And Carl comes up big to make this save because when that happens, I'm thinking that's going in for sure. Um, maybe... Arubla could have done better to place the ball in a corner or something, but that's still a humongous save by Carl because um, he was really hung out to dry on that situation. Oh, huge, huge save on that one. I mean, that's that you know, again, that's one of those that you you go back and you know, if, if Phoenix Rising wins this match, you know, you go back and you say, well, there's there's the difference that that you know that turned this thing around. But obviously, as we'll go on later, <laughs> right? So. You know, after that, I think it started getting pretty frenetic going back and forth. They would have a corner kick. We'd get a corner kick. They'd get a free kick. We'd get a free kick. Um, in the 88th minute, one of their players picks up a yellow card on Am- Amadou Dia. And right as we head to stoppage time, J- Jason Johnson had a chance to score, but it was a pretty bad angle. He only found the side netting. And it went to extra time. So both teams make their final substitution. And... For Rising, it's a Waco replacing Waldrop, and I I like that they brought in a Waco, and he did bring a spark, but I just wish we could have seen more of Waldrop because, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but Waldrop was the one guy that looked very composed on the ball that wasn't having those communication errors. He, he had a run in the early second half where he took it from the right sideline to the middle of the park probably sprinted like 35 yards with the ball and got by two or three defenders there and it was just it was such a great run unfortunately like we didn't have that movement to support him enough but Evan Waldrop looked so composed out there especially in a match where so many guys seemed a little bit frazzled seemed a little bit shaken and maybe weren't used to playing each with each other but Waldrop was making those passes he was doing everything you could ask for him. Um, I totally agree. And it's yeah, and it's 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 wild. That was his first professional start, and he looked like the best player for either team on the pitch in that second half. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I mean, Evan Waldrop, very very composed, like you said, very composed on the ball. Uh, had really good command of his positioning. Didn't make any glaring mistakes. You know. Seemed like one of the only guys on the on the pitch that really didn't seem like they had heavy legs. Seemed like they looked a little tired, you know. And that's what you that's what you want to see, you know. I was expecting maybe to see that from Devin Vega a little bit. I was expecting to see that from Luca Ricci, but it just seemed like those two guys didn't seem to have the same command and the same presence as Evan Waldrop did in that match. Yeah, the the only guys that that showed up for me are are Waldrop, 
Vasquez was pretty effective on the left wing, consistently getting space, getting crosses, trying to set things up for you know other players. Um, and Cortez for the goal and like actually creating a few chances. Um, you know, a, a lot of the other guys played hard. I mean, Mala had a very good first half, but there were lapses there. And you see in extra time, those lapses kept us from winning the match. So Awako comes on, and uh, when extra time starts, it's again pretty 50-50. Danny Ariano tries to put a header in, goes over the bar. Um, a very good chance in the 95th minute. Gladson Awako had a great free kick. Amadou Dia gets an awesome flick-on header, and you're thinking, oh, there's just got to be someone at that back post to tap it in. And it looked like Mala was going to get there, but he just couldn't quite get there, so it stays 1-1. Um, really well-worked opportunity, and I thought that was going to be it. Uh, in the 105th minute, Chris Cortez gets a long ball and actually does very well to control it, but it's one of those shots straight at Andrew Weber. If he puts it anywhere else, it might go in. And, you know, you can't really fault him too much because that was a tough ball to control and even get a shot off with, but he puts it right into the keeper's hands. So we go to the second half of extra time, um, and Sporting AZ gets an unbelievable chance in the 110th minute. Former Arizona United player Tony Cassio gets space at the edge of the box and rips a shot that I thought was going in the bottom left corner. I think most of the people there did as well. And that thing just missed by a couple inches. So it stays 1-1. Um, you know, chance for Johnson in the 113th. He can't keep the header down. And then the 119th minute, we're really getting right to the end. And again, it's Amadou Dia. He puts in an amazing cross. And I think, I, I was thinking for sure, like, that ball is getting headed in. Because we had two or three rising players at the back post. It's very tough to tell which one got the head to it. But you're thinking, oh my gosh, that's such a good delivery. Like, we have more players there. That has to be the goal. And it missed. There were just, there were a few in that match that just, you think they have to go in and they missed. So, that's it. It goes to penalties and our Achilles heel from last year's playoffs bites us again. Um, Chris Cortez, the goal scoring hero, he is not able to do it in the shootout. Um, the keeper guessed the wrong way, but he just bangs it off the crossbar. And perhaps that's tired legs, but that's a big miss. Sporting AZ, to their credit, was just rifling it into the bottom left corner every time. And I think Carl was thinking, oh, okay, one of these times they're going to have to go to the right, and then I'll save it. And every single time, they just kept going to that bottom corner. So he was just out of luck every time. It's a frustrating feeling, but there's not you can't really blame him too much. Johnson put his penalty in. Kavon Freider put his in with a Paneka. That was the stones on him to do that because we missed that one. We're down 2-1. Mm-hmm. They can really uh, ice that one. Um, the keeper, Weber, guessed right on Gladson Awako's kick and just missed it. Um, that was a nerve-wracking penalty. Um, and But they keep hitting there, so it's 4-3 going into the last round. Amadou Dia actually saw his attempt tipped, but it still just snuck in. So it stays alive. 
and David Paul has a chance to win it. But then he punts it way over the post. He punts it like well over the crossbar, just a you know unfortunate choke. And that's the one moment I'm thinking, okay, maybe we can squeeze this out. Maybe we can do this. Um, next up comes Cody Wakasa. You know, it's kind of tough when you get down to your defenders and stuff. You're just hoping they can put a decent attempt on. But, you know, another chance stopped by Weber. Another chance where he guessed the right way. But this one was kind of funny because Wakasa hit it hard enough that Weber saved it. But then there was some backspin and it started trickling back. So hard to see from a tough angle. I think, is that going to go in? And it just trickles onto the, the post and it just gently rolls out. That could have gone either way. It was so close. Yeah, it could have. And man, that would have changed everything because that's the one thing. There was never a time in that shootout where Sporting Arizona had the pressure of a must-make kick. I think if there was a time in that shootout where they were down, if they had to deal with being down in the shootout where one kick can lose it, maybe you get a different outcome. But that entire shootout, they were either winning or they were tied. They never had a chance where all the pressure was on them. It was always on us to just stay alive. And so Wakasa misses. Their last guy, Kishimoto, bangs it in. And that's that's the match. Yeah. So Unfortunately, I don't know. What, what, what are your thoughts? You know, you always hate to lose early. You know, it's always you hate to lose early in in the Open Cup. This is the second time now that it, Arizona United slash Phoenix Rising Club has lost in the second round of the Open Cup and not had the ability to move past that level. I know we all wanted to have a deep U.S. Open Cup run this year, and it would have been nice. But maybe the way the schedule was lining up, maybe it, it turns out to be you know, a silver lining that we do lose in this round of the, of the open cup. Um, you know, has, you know, I think the bigger picture that we take away from this match is how good does this make soccer in Arizona look that you can have two teams from the Phoenix area battling against each other for 120 minutes has to go to penalties I mean, hats off to Sporting AZ for the effort they put out. Hats off to Phoenix Rising for the effort they put out. But the biggest winner of the night is soccer in the state of Arizona. I mean, you cannot imagine. I mean, the into everybody that I talked to talked about the intimate setting of this match and how everybody was so close to the field and how everything was just, you know, this was the perfect storm for everything to happen. Um, you know, you've got Banditos and Red Fury working together on a night you would have never expected that to happen, but they worked together. You know, you had fans running down to the opposite end for the shootout just so they could get down there and, and, and be an influence. And, you know, you can't ask for anything better. I mean, this was a, a wonderful display of two teams putting it all out on the line for 120 minutes congrats to Sporting AZ and I hope that they can come out on Wednesday night and put it to Fresno FC and, and you know 
be that Cinderella team that gets the opportunity to possibly face, you know, an MLS club in the fourth round. Yeah, I mean, I will say this too. I mean, being there the full 120, it wasn't our best match, but it wasn't a terrible performance either. I think that would have been a perfectly fine performance against most teams in that division, most lower division teams. But Sporting AZ, uh, you'll hear it later on from Kyle Kepner. They have a lot of veterans. Um, some of those guys have experience at our level and higher. Tony Cassio, Andrew Weber, um, several other guys too. And their assistant manager as well has a lot of international experience. So, Plus you get them in a home match, everything to play for. I mean, it's, uh, it's certainly something we should not have taken lightly. I think that's why we actually had a decent starting 11, but, you know, crazy things can happen on any given night. And I think once we allowed them to equalize immediately after going ahead, at that point, you feel like there's something in the air. Like, this is just, this is just going to be one of those weird nights. If we, if we pull it out, it's going to be a, a close one. Like, you start to think, man, maybe this isn't meant to be for us, but, I'll, I'll say another thing too. A lot of USL teams went down on Wednesday. Don't don't feel too in the dumps because of this, because a lot of USL teams went down to lower division sides. And just so you get a glimpse of it, um, Fresno FC, the team that we would have played in the next round at home, they were taken to extra time by Orange County FC. Orange County and USL lost 4-2 at home to Golden State Force. Tampa Bay Rowdies loses 1-0 to Jacksonville Armada. Um, Colorado Springs scored a winner in the last 10 minutes against FC Denver. OKC Energy lost 5-2 to a beer league team, a USASA team. NTX Riados, uh, check that one out. It was 2-2 going into extra time and they put three goals in an extra time. Uh, Wichita, FC Wichita at that same UPSL level defeated Tulsa Roughnecks and that was a match in Tulsa that was 4-3, a great winning goal there um, Sacramento Republic ended up beating San Francisco City 3-1 but that was tied in the last 30 minutes Detroit City went ahead on FC Cincinnati, took them to extra time before losing 4-1 Mississippi Brilla beats Indy 11 1-0 um you know, even uh, Richmond kickers are taken to penalty kicks in their match. And Charlotte Independence loses 3-1 at home. So a lot of teams went down, and even more teams were taken down to the wire. So I think the takeaway here is don't come in on your high horse in this Open Cup. In this open cup. Any match can be your downfall, and lower-level soccer is getting better in this country. So that's a good thing, you know, and to see what we were able to see from a lower division side, a local lower division side in Sporting Arizona, it's pretty cool. I mean, obviously you want the win. We all want the win. We want the chance to have a favorable home match and then advance for an MLS possible home match. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it is good for soccer and, um, you know, kudos to those guys for, for winning um, I guess the only thing I'm concerned about is some of the guys 
the fringe players that did well in that match won't have a ton of opportunities. You know, the Devin Vegas, Evan Waldrips of the world. What's your thought on that? I, I would tend to agree with you on that. I mean, you would you were hoping that that this may be the effort that Patrice Carterone sees it and says, okay, you know, now now you know, let's give them another opportunity. But listening to Carterone speak and and you'll hear those comments, uh, you know, later, you know, after we review the Sacramento match. But uh, you know, he really didn't put out guys that had played Wednesday, Saturday in Oklahoma City. He wanted to save them for the Sacramento match. So I think in a way, yeah, they've proved themselves. Will they get much more time on the pitch? I hope so because I'm hoping that he saw some glimpses of some good efforts, especially out of Waldrop, especially out of Vega. You know, I think think we'll see more of them, especially – and think about this now, you know, you know, you're going to lose Didier Drogba in a month, you know, to, to doing some world cup coverage for BBC, you know, over in the UK, but you know, that may be another opportunity for some players to shine, you know, an Evan Waldrop, a, a Devin Vega, a Kavan Freider gets a little bit more time possibly at that point. So, you know, we'll, you know, we'll have to see how it goes from there. We certainly will. Um, but I think that does it for the Sporting AZ match. Um, before we move on any further, just a couple things. Uh, first off is want to thank our sponsors, the Arizona Sports Complex. The Arizona Sports Complex is Arizona's premier indoor soccer facility on the southwest corner of 35th Avenue and Pinnacle Peak Road in Glendale. With newly installed air conditioning, the Arizona Sports Complex is home to youth and adult soccer year-round. Visit ArizonaSportsComplex.com for more information. And before we go to the Sacramento Republic match, here is my post-match interview with Kyle, or uh, yeah, with Kyle Kepner, um, who had been here for a long time before moving on to Sporting AZ for a great opportunity there to work with their communications department. So, wanted to get his thoughts post-match after a big win for his club. Hi, this is Dominic here with Kyle Kepner, formerly of Firebird Soccer and now with Sporting Arizona FC. How are you feeling on this pretty momentous night? You know, for me as a fan of the game, and especially here in Arizona, it's just it's just been the best night that we could have asked for. So many rising fans out here getting a chance to see what we've been putting together here at Sporting AZ. Um, a team itself led in many ways by guys who have been around the block who have built this game here in here in our great state um you know you look at you look at the core of our of our group who uh, made a deep run into the playoffs of the mpsl last season with fc arizona after an undefeated regular season local guys like andrew weber john goosey um this is a really special group of guys who are showing the next generation of players in this state what's possible, what you can do, what you can achieve, and how much fun the game can be at this level. So having covered the game, as you mentioned, for Firebird, um, following Rising and Arizona United before that, this is this is a huge, huge accomplishment for the, for the game in the state, and I just, I gotta pinch myself, I can't even believe it's real. 
I know a lot of our listeners are going to be pretty distraught when they're listening to this and uh, thinking about how the events unfolded, but <laughs> let's let's turn it around a little bit. This has to be the biggest win in club history, right? You know, what some people might not know yet, and we hope to talk about it in the coming days and weeks, is that Sporting AZ is really the, the reincarnation of a club that was well-loved before um, the modern pro game came to town. You know, we were called the Arizona Suaros for many years. Uh, this club was actually the inaugural champions of what is now the NPSL. So it's difficult to say that this is the biggest win ever because there's no trophy yet. But on the scale of the modern game, yes, taking down a, a team like Phoenix Rising, who could have trotted out a really great 11 tonight, the, the same guys who... Um, who sits second place in the Western Conference of the USL. But the guys I brought out tonight, I mean, we were talking about it uh, off the air, a lot of starters out here, and some guys like, um, you know, Carl Wazinski, who's been a stud in this league for a long time. Uh, Gladson Awako provided a, a big spark for, for rising down the stretch. Uh, Jason Johnson doing what he does and nearly breaking through. And, my gosh, it was just, it was an amazing accomplishment for Sporting AZ, yes. Biggest ever time will tell but uh for those of us who uh maybe weren't around for those other days yes it's a really special moment and uh i mean jose and i were talking about this during the match but it looked like great tactics by sporting ad who deserves the credit for that well you you heard it we uh in the post game we spoke with the assistant coach tom hurdle he he gave all the credit to uh to his mentor um aiden davison um Aiden, a lot of fans know from his days in the Premier League and uh, and the Championship. Uh, Bolton, Millwall, um, capped for the Northern Ireland national team. Uh, tremendous goalkeeper, and then later on, uh, coach. He's studying right now for his um, for his UEFA Pro license, the highest license in coaching you can get. So this is a man who knows tactics. He knows how to win. He knows what he wants. He's an uncompromising. Uh, presence in a group of young men who, uh, many of whom don't have that strong a boss in their day jobs, you know, to, uh, these, these guys come to practice every morning uh, before they head off to their, their quote-unquote real jobs, um, and Aiden is that guy who provides the, the discipline, the organization, the, uh, the tactical know-how. He's been there, he's done that, um, you know, Tommy brings his own skills to the table. He's been around the, the game here in the state a little bit longer than Aiden has. He knows a lot of the ins and outs of the, the recruiting network, of the college game. But um, Aiden is really the, the tactical leader of this organization, FYI, and a lot of, lot of credit to him. And one last question. Uh, it looks like it's another home match next Wednesday for you guys against the Fresno Foxes. A lot of our listeners are Phoenix Rising fans, but a lot of our listeners are just soccer fans of the game in general. Why should they come out for that match, which now you guys have a chance to make it to the fourth round where you could end up playing an MLS side? I think the word's going to get out after tonight that that our club is quality, that we, we try to put on a first-class um, experience for fans. The guys clearly are here to work hard and to put on a good show. Uh, there's talent, there's skill, um, there's a lot of experience from guys out here. Um, I think if, if a lot of fans look back not, not too many years, they're going to see names that they used to come out here and cheer for 
um, in the Arizona United and the Phoenix uh, Phoenix FC days, uh, guys like uh, DP David Paul, uh, Jose Ramos, um, Cassio uh, almost Tony scored. Cassio, my gosh. Um, these are these are some guys that that fans around here already know and love. Uh, their their work ethic is still there. Their love for the game, uh, and I think if you want to see some really some really special soccer from some guys who have nothing to lose, then why not come out and see a great game on a, on a, on a nice night? Well, Kyle, I think that's all the time we have. Thanks for giving us a few minutes, and you know, good luck out here with Sporting Arizona, and thank you for all you did with Firebird. Hey, thanks a lot, Tom. Really cool to see you taking it on. And that was the interview with Kyle Kepner, formerly of Firebird Rising and now with Sporting Arizona. Um, you know, hopefully some of you guys listen to that, and even though it's a frustrating result for Phoenix Rising, appreciate what it meant for that club. And, you know, hopefully some of you guys go out to their match on Wednesday against Fresno because tickets are only $10. It's a fun atmosphere. Great sight lines. I mean, you can actually pull up a chair and be less than 10 feet away from the sideline. You just don't get that kind of experience anywhere else. Um, so, I mean, what, what were your thoughts? Uh, you know, Kyle's a great man. Love what he's doing for Sporting AZ. Um, actually, the the interesting thing is that the match that they're going to play Wednesday actually moved it to Mesa Community College instead of playing it to Chandler Gilbert. So they'll have a little bit of a bigger facility to, to hold the fans in for that match and you know, give them a place to sit and enjoy. And, and so, you know, but hey, 10 bucks a person, you can't go wrong with what Sporting AZ does. You know, they're not, they're not in it to, to make a huge profit out of this thing. That's not what it's all about. It's just all about playing the game they love. And, you know, for an opportunity to have the, have the chance to play an MLS club, by all means, guys, go out and support this team. They deserve it. Definitely. And uh, with that in mind, we turn to Saturday's match against Sac Republic. I miss this one. Uh, when your girlfriend turns 25, you got to be there for that for that celebration. So I, I missed the match completely, but only saw the highlights. And what are your what are your uh, you know how did it unfold before your eyes? Well, well let's let's kind of walk through this. You know, they stayed with the same 3-4-3 formation that they stayed with. In, in Oklahoma and as well as with the the Open Cup match. A uh, couple of changes. Joe Farrell makes his insertion into the lineup uh, in the back three along with uh, uh, James Musa and Mike DeFont. Uh, you, had a mid four, you had a mid four of, of Amadou Dia, uh, Kavon Lambert, Gladson Awako, and Cody Wakasa. And then you had a top three of Didier Drogba, Jason Johnson, Solomon Asante. Well, the great thing is right off the bat, Phoenix Rising almost gets a goal right in the first minute of the match. You know, Sacramento's stupid play. I mean, they kick it off, and then the guy makes a stupid backward pass that goes right out of bounds, and Phoenix Rising jumps right on the top of it, uh, makes the attack, and Gladstone Awako gets a, gets a shot off that just misses on the left-hand side you know, 30 seconds into the match, and you're thinking, wow, this is the way this is going to be. It's going to be quite interesting. Well, two minutes later, Solomon Asante gets a gets a shot from right outside the box that Josh Cohen has to to make a save and concedes a corner, you know. Fifth minute, Didier Drogba takes a shot from the outside and misses on the left. You know, so you're thinking right off the bat, you're thinking, boy, this is going to be an interesting game, and we've got the attack, and we're going to keep going, but oh, no. 
Sacramento turns it right around and makes James Musa make a big mistake right out the bat. Uh, you know, a ball over the top to uh, Cameron Awasa, and Musa doesn't hold his position, and Cameron Awasa gets right around him, uh, takes a right-footed shot. Uh, Zach Lubin has no shot at it whatsoever, and it's one nothing right off the bat. Just kind of so disheartening, you know, for for such a, a strong effort in the first five minutes, and to have that happen, and now you now you're playing on the back foot again, and it just what a what a tough what a tough start to this match. Yeah, you yeah, and inside the first ten yeah. minutes, you know that that's that's the tough one. Well, you know, and Phoenix Rising kept the pressure up, you know. Solomon Asante shoots and gets blocked. Solomon Asante wins a free kick. You know, Didier Drogba earns a free kick in the in the 13th. And Josh Cohen, I'll tell you what, Josh Cohen came up big in this match. The former Phoenix Rising goalkeeper, uh, you know, made a couple of great saves. You know, great you know, great save uh, in the 20th minute that. You know, even though they say it was a goal kick, I mean, he he forced Jason Johnson to miss that that shot in the 20th minute, and then you know, turn around right away in the next minute, Sacramento is countering on the attack again. You know, Yuri Matazic uh, sends a ball out to the top of the out to the top of the circle. Uh, Vilian Bijev is waiting right there. And a right-footed shot down to the lower right-hand corner had Zach Lubin frozen, and now it's two nothing. And all of a sudden, wow, where did this all happen? Yeah, it, it really seemed like they just took their chances perfectly. Um, Start a contrast to us in the early points of this match, and really throughout the match, um, Bijev is a problem, and they. You mentioned that on the broadcast that uh, this offseason, and it's pretty easy to see why uh, he made us pay with a good finish there. But, I mean, Iwasa and Bijev, those are both killers up top for San Sacramento, and it, you got to do better on defense than to give them those kinds of clear-cut chances. Yeah, I totally, totally agree with you. Well, and then a uh, big moment comes up in the 28th minute. Didier Drogba hits a a shot right from the uh, right from the the edge of the box that gets to Jason Johnson saved. Uh, you know, great free kick by by Drogba on that one. Just unfortunate that Johnson couldn't get on the end of it. And then the then the penalty in the 31st minute. You know, Johnson driving to the net gets a good cross in from Solomon Asante. Uh, Johnson gets hauled down at the back uh, and then forces the penalty conceded. Uh, by Mitchell Trainter, so obviously st up steps up Didier Drogba, and you're thinking this is going to be a piece of cake. Well, guess what happens? Josh Cohen picked the right direction, and you know, it's funny how many times did Josh probably work on these things with Didier when he was here with Phoenix Rising? Probably a lot, and probably knew exactly where he was going to go with this ball. Uh, you know, Drogba even tried to get a second foot on it after Cohen makes the save, but he just barely whiffs on it. And as and as it, there's a scramble in the box, everybody thought that there, there was a goal. You know, Asante had, had tapped it in, but unfortunately, uh, 
looking at the replay, it looked like Josh Cohen may have gotten he, – he had one hand on the ball, but it looks like he may have gotten a second hand to it. And once he gets that second hand to it, the referees, nine times out of ten, normally consider that as control. And I think that's where the, the foul call was. It took a minute for them to sort it out, but it finally ended up being called a foul and the goal waved off and obviously you know the phoenix rising you know the the supporters fans behind the goal weren't weren't too happy about that but you know it it happens you know then you get to the 38th minute uh, drogba earns another free kick from right outside the box and josh cohen makes another beautiful save right there Uh, josh cohen just had didier drogba's number all night long uh you know, on on free kicks, just had it picked out perfectly. Uh, Drogba had another free kick in the 42nd that he just missed uh, from from distance. Um, you know, but interesting, they come out two nothing uh, at the end of the first half. They're down, but when you listen to Patrice Carteron's comments, which we'll get to in just a moment. Um, to hear him say that this was one of the best first half offensive performances he had seen all season long, I was a little confused by that. Yeah, they had possession and control. Yeah, they were moving the ball around very well. Yeah, they were getting a lot of shots on target, getting a lot of shots on net. But they weren't finishing. I mean, I would expect that to be more of a topic of, you know, if your club is really on all cylinders offensively as if they're finishing and they, there was no finishing in this first half whatsoever. And, you know, to me, that's what makes me feel that this wasn't as much as what Patrice Carteron says was a, was a very strong offensive first half for me. For me, it did, just didn't seem like that. Lately is to see a zero next to your name at the end of the first half. I mean, no matter what you're doing, creating chances, you want to see better. And, you know, the moment where you have a chance to really put a goal away on that penalty kick, not only did Drogba go to the same side that he often goes to, but it wasn't nearly as well hit as his past efforts. At least in the past, he's hitting it so far into that corner, it's a tough save no matter what. This time it was pretty tame, like a pretty savable shot which is so un didier like I and mean, it's kind of kind of bizarre to yeah, see something like that not a um, lot of, not a lot of pace to that shot i mean that's what i think that's what surprises me more than anything else was there just you know there wasn't that pace that he normally puts on a penalty kick like that right and so at the end of the day you have to you know yeah it's one thing to create those chances but you have to finish those chances and if you don't find a way to finish those chances, you're going to end up losing a lot of matches. And, you know, on the on the flip side, you, you got to do better, especially on that first goal that Sacramento scored, because that's just a hopeful long ball. And, you know, Musa's a tall enough, big enough guy. He should be able to deal with that ball. Um, and then just to allow a guy like Kenny Wasa to win that ball without too much pressure and then have a chance to score. It's, it's not enough um, offense and defense. I mean, it's, 
it's it's nice to see, but there's got to be an end product. Otherwise, you just look like Arsenal out there. Yeah, I totally agree with you. So we get to the second half now, and and Patrice Carteron makes an interesting change and goes from three in the back to four in the back. Uh, I'm, you know, we talked about this off air beforehand. We were kind of surprised they didn't start with four in the back in the first place. But I think the feeling of Patrice Carteron coming into this match was, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I think, and I think it kind of caught up to him this time. So you know, going from three in the back now to four in the back. You lost, you lose your wing players in Cody Wakasa and Victor Vasquez. You know now they have, or I'm sorry, Amadou Dia. So now they have to slide back into a more defensive role. James Musa moves out of the defensive role and moves into the midfield. Uh, plays a holding mid, you know, sort of like uh, what what uh, uh, Kavan Lambert has been doing for the most part this season. So now you've gone from now you've gone from running your three four three. Now you're running a four one three two or a four one two three, you know. In the and it just you know it kind of lost a little bit of their creativity. Granted, it opened up some space in the middle, you know, which is which is all good and fine and everything, you know. But unfortunately, you know, you lost some of that creativity, you know. And unfortunately, you see it play out in the first 15, 20 minutes of this first half. You know, Lambert misses a shot in the 46th. Waco misses a header, you know, in the 53rd. Um, and then you bring on Chris Cortez for Gladson Waco, and Waco just didn't seem like he had that great of a match. So now you're hoping to inject a little bit more offense into this game. Um, and finally, that offense showed up in the 62nd minute. You know, Chris Cortez getting a ball inside the box and takes a right-footed shot and roofs it right over the top of Josh Cohen. Uh, you know, another ball from Solomon Asante again, who, you know, just seems to find a knack for finding those you know, those balls. And, you know, he made some great plays and made some great uh players miss you know on a lot of plays and that was one of those where he you know he had kind of juked a couple of players and got himself open and found Cortez in the right spot you know and 2-1 now and you're thinking okay now it's 2-1 we've pulled ourselves back in a little bit you know now now let's make another run but that run just wasn't there it just seemed again there were heavy legs it just didn't seem like everybody was quite moving the way they needed to um you know, you get a shot in the 60, 65th from Solomon Asante. You know that that uh, he, you know that uh, uh, Josh makes another save on. You know, Diaz gets a shot off in the 67th, but it's nowhere close. Um, you know, then Drogba wins a free kick. Doesn't you know? Doesn't do much with it. Then they then they make the substitution of bringing on Alessandro Rigi for Mike Defont again, going more defense, going more offensive. So they now move James Musa back to the defensive line and back on the back four and move uh, Alessandro Rigi up front a little bit more attacking. Unfortunately, the attacking doesn't show off too much um, within that six-minute period before they bring on Kevon Freider for Jason Johnson. And unfortunately, you know the the effort of trying to push forward and trying to push forward and trying to push forward to get that second goal finally caught up to him as uh, Viljan Bijev hits a great ball out to Wilson Nisha who gets behind the defense um, 
Josh, uh, I'm sorry, Zach Lubin's got to come out and try to do everything he can to to make himself big, and it just unfortunately wasn't quite big enough. Uh, Nisha puts it past past Lubin, and it's a 3-1 lead. And now Sacramento's really into the driver's seat at this point. Um, Drogba gets a couple of uh, good free kick attempts right outside the box in uh, added time. Unfortunately, Skies won. Josh Cohen makes another great save on him in the 93rd minute. Uh, you know, for for one of those shots. <coughs> Excuse me. Sacramento sees it out. 3-1. Um, and unfortunately, you know, sends Phoenix rising to its second loss of the season. Yeah, and a uh, second in four days. Um, it's it's just weird to see a match where so many of the statistics go in our favor, and yet the score so dramatically does not. Um, Twenty five shots to six, eight shots on target to three. Um. Even even defensively, eighty uh, percent tackle success rate for us. But one, I mean, one step that looks better for them is forty clearances versus six. Um, still, it's a it's a strange, strange. Um, just the numbers are so strange when compared to that Phoenix one Sacramento three. Yeah, it just you know. You, you harp on it, you, you know, six, you know, 60% aerial duels won, 63% success rate in the duels, you know, you have 59% possession, 393 passes completed, uh, I'm sorry, made in the, you know, 75% accuracy, it's just, the numbers go on and on and on, and, and you know, you see these numbers, and it should bode out to, to at least a positive result in your half, but just wasn't to be on this night you know too many glaring defensive mistakes and unfortunately it ended up costing them in the end you know I'll pose this question out to the fans you know and we can put this up on a poll later on if you know if we want to you know is is a three-man back for Phoenix Rising the way they should be playing or should they be playing for in the back I think maybe you know you know, you mentioned it earlier, and I'll let you take it off on this. You know, I love your comment that we talked off about the air. It's got to cater, we think, to the you know to what we're playing against. Right. Um, so the the gist of what I was saying off air is it, it depends on the opponent. I think if you're playing a team that doesn't have a strong attacking lineup. Um, like Tulsa, like Oklahoma City, and against Sporting AZ on Wednesday, our defense was pretty solid other than the one miscue, uh, then a three in the back works because you have solid cover and then you have more spaces for people to work with up top. Um, even the Wednesday match, even though the chances weren't quite taken, I still Still think we created a perfect effort, but probably a little unlucky that we didn't end up with a win before penalties. Um, but against a team like Sacramento or a Swell Park Rangers who are going up against next Saturday, it seems like a suicide to play three at the back because 
you know, Sac Republic has Kami Wasa, they have Bijev, they have other guys that can really make you pay for, you know, Wilson Nisha off the bench, uh, Matsushich, like, they have a lot of guys that can make you pay for not playing four at the back, being more secure back there. And I'm okay with less possession when you're going up against a team that has dangerous options up top, a team that can score goals. Um, I think the three in the back is nice, and it can catch people by surprise if they haven't prepared for it. But Sacramento had a full week to watch tape. They were able to watch the film on both of our matches last week in Oklahoma, adjust to it, and take advantage with the long balls with the counterattacks. Um, it's actually kind of weird to see because that's what we were doing to other teams a lot last year, hitting them on counterattacks, hitting them in those kinds of ways with the long balls. Um, and I'll give an example, too. Um, Roma is a team that I follow over in Europe, and most of the time they play four in the back. But they brought out the three in the back against Barcelona when they were down 4-1. They had to score three goals in the second leg. They needed a miracle, basically. They had to just go for it attacking. And they got it. They they pulled off the three goals, and Barcelona wasn't able to prepare, so they didn't score. They didn't even have a ton of great chances. But then they used that same strategy against Liverpool in the semifinal, and Liverpool's a team that really has options up top. I mean, Sané, Firmino, Mohamed Salah, and Droma got picked apart for five goals in that match, and it could have been even more. And, you know, Sacramento, they didn't need a ton of possession, but they picked us apart going forward in this match um, with, you know, three excellent opportunities. They take all three of them. So I think it depends on the team that you're playing, and I think in some matches, you got to just stick to the four. Yeah, I agree. I think you, I, I, I agree with you there. I mean, you know, if you know you've got a team that attacks, I think you've got to reserve yourself back and, and do the best you can there and then make your make your moves on the counterattack after that. You know, but, you know, I think in situations where you saw against the Oklahoma teams, you know, you you're probably going to see it maybe against Rio Grande Valley. They're not such a strong team offensively. Uh, you know, Fresno could be a, a possibility that you could see three in the back. I mean, you, see, you know, I think there are situations, like you say, that, that definitely, you know, lends it to, okay, and we know we can attack on them and this is how we'll do it. But I think for the most part now, I think teams have seen that if we play three in the back, there are ways that we can be exploited. And you, and you hope that, that going in that they, you know, the opposing teams don't see that and notice, Hey, we can take advantage of this. Right. I mean, I don't know. It's weird. Like, I don't know how many people, uh, follow football, but it's almost like the, uh, like teams that do like the wildcat in football or the triple option like it's a certain thing like it can catch people off guard but if you if you try to run that out every time there are going to be times where you just get absolutely smashed yep. because the other side is ready for it 
it kind of feels like a not like a gimmick per se, but I don't think a lot of the best teams in the world are going three fullbacks. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with you there. So, well, before we move on to the Swope Park uh, match, it's going to happen next week. Here are the uh, post game comments from uh, head coach Patrice Carterone, and we caught up with Sacramento Republic goalkeeper Josh Cohen after the match on Saturday. And there's the comments of Patrice Carterone and Josh Cohen. Uh, love listening to Josh talking about. Uh, you know his little playful banter that he had with uh, the fans behind uh, him at the at, in the pregame. You know he was uh, warming up behind the Banditos and the Red Fury, and you know fun little banter between them. And you know kind of how he says it's a love-hate relationship now, but you know the fans still still like him and still care about him. And you know they're appreciative. You know those who are appreciative of soccer and appreciative of what he did for this club last year obviously know. Uh, you know how good he is, and you know again listening to Patrice's comments talking about how he how he felt. You know this was a a, a better offensive effort than what he's seen in most efforts. I, I I get it, but at the same time I just I struggle to see. You know if you're not finishing, you know to me that's not as complete an offensive effort as 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 we all would like to think of. So. Yeah, I uh, definitely agree. Uh, um, you wanna you wanna put more than one goal on the board, but uh, I get move on to the Swope man. Yeah, let's move on to to Swope Park Rangers uh, playing on a Saturday afternoon. It's going to be a twelve noon start. Uh, they had to change the time due to the fact that uh, Swope Park Rangers had to move all of their uh, remaining home games for the season to Children's Mercy Park, you know, the home of uh, Sporting KC. Uh, apparently they had some issues with, with their stadium uh, that they were going to play in, so trying to work some things around Sporting Kansas City schedule, they had to play this match at an early afternoon time on Saturday. Uh, they're coming in off of a 0-0 draw against Rio Grande Valley, which is quite surprising. I mean, this one kind of caught me off guard that that Swope is kind of in a, in a little uh, pattern here right now where they're they're had a, a decent start, but now after ten matches they're four two and four. You know, Carlton Belmar obviously gave us fits in the first match uh, when when they were here. You know, but you know you look at their last five matches. Uh, three draws, a win, and a loss, and that win was a one nothing win over bottom of the table Oklahoma City. The loss comes against uh, the top of the table Real Monarchs. I think we all know that Real Monarchs is the team to beat in the West right now, you know. But you know, for them to pull off draws against you know us here the last time, St. Louis one one, and then to have a zero zero draw against Rio Grande Valley this past Saturday, they're they're not quite looking as well as. as what they expected to be at this point. No, um, it's a team that definitely relies heavily on Carlton Belmar, but yeah, they've they've been struggling to uh, put put wins together. Only one win in their lashes, three draws in that stretch, starting with us. Um, and it it, it seems like they 
are getting a lot of other people stepping up to assist Carlton Belmar up top. Uh, they certainly have capable players, Tyler Blackwood up top. Um, they have Chase Minter. A lot of good guys that you'll remember from earlier this season, from last year. Uh, Amer Didich in defense, uh, Parker Mayer, and Rodrigo Saravia. Um, so it's definitely a team that gets up for us. Definitely not a team we can take lightly. But yeah, they are. Um, they're. They, yeah, I don't think they've quite hit their peak yet. I, I think they're. Um, they just need a little. A little bit more help for Carlton top because you look at some of their matches recently, they've been to score against Rio Grande, lost. It's definitely tricky. Yeah, they just, they, uh, you know, it, it seems like a lot of them, you know, as Belmar goes, you know, so goes Swill Park right now. But, you know, hoping that they'll get, you know, the opportunity to, you know, to, to, to find those players that will step up for them. You know, you hope it doesn't happen against Phoenix Rising, obviously, you know, coming off of, uh, off of such a, a tough week here. But, you know, this is a start of a three-game road stretch for Phoenix Rising, you know, now that they'll play this match on Saturday against uh, uh, Swole Park Rangers. Then they'll they'll turn around, and, and four days later, they'll play on a Wednesday in uh, St. Louis. First time they'll get to see St. Louis this year. Uh, and then they'll have ten days off before they play Sacramento Republic again. So it's really going to be a time frame here that, you know, this this could be a stretch where hopefully, you know, we can right the ship. You know, let's get some solid results out of this stretch of games and then come back into to a couple of home games after that and, and kind of get things turned back around in the right direction again. Yeah, for sure. Um, the thing to remember, too, about this match, it's a 12 p.m. start. And if you're thinking that seems like a weird time, yeah, we already we already mentioned that, that it's switched because of the match. Also, at the exact same time as the Champions League final, which is pretty damn frustrating for a lot of people. Hopefully, I'm very confident that the team will have some watch parties where they got both, both matches on, and you know fans can get their fix to see us hopefully get a big away win and then also see Real and Liverpool battle for the Champions League crown, but. You'd like to see that not start at noon, right? I mean, directly competing against the Champions League final, it's kind of... Yeah, you'd you'd like to see that, but unfortunately, like, you know, like I said earlier, you know, with Swope Park having to move stadiums now and having to change everything all around, uh, they they probably didn't have much of a choice and had to lock themselves into this type of a, uh, a time frame, and 
you know, like you said, hopefully a couple of watch parties will have not only just the one game, but they'll have both of them on. And, and, and please, you know, all the soccer fans in general that come out and watch uh, these watch parties. Definitely. Well, at this point, I think we should get into matches around the league in the yeah. USL. Yeah, um, let's, yeah, let's get into some of these matches this week. Um, one of the interesting results that caught our attention on Friday, um, Portland Timbers 2 hung a 7 spot on LA Galaxy 2, uh, getting a 7-3 win uh, up there at Providence Park uh, in in Portland. Um, wow. Wow. Uh, you get a hat trick from Foster Langsdorf, uh, 25th, 43rd, and including a penalty kick in the 57th minute. Um, you had a pair of goals from uh, Efrain Alvarez, who was last week's player of the week. I mean, he had a hat trick the week before. Picks up two more goals here in this match against Portland Timbers. Um, but uh, unfortunately, L.A. could just never get on the right foot of this one. I mean, it was... You know, it was 2 nothing. then it was 3-1, then it was 3-3, you know. And then Portland just went ape at the end and had four goals, you know, in the last, what was it, in the last uh, 11 minutes of this match. So, I mean, unreal what they were doing. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with Los Dos. I mean, one second they were playing all these low scoring matches these nil nils you know one nil losses and the last few matches they've just been all over the place 4-3 against us and then 6-3 win over St. Louis and then this looks like a football score 3 to 7 against Timbers 2 i mean I, what an amazing season for Timbers 2 though yeah. i mean and they have re- they have really surprised i mean other than other than real monarchs um you know this Portland. This Portland club is one of the hottest teams in the league right now. I mean, they are in their last five matches. They're they're three one and one. I mean, the only other team besides you know we we have a three one and one record in our last five. Monarchs four zero oh, and one in their last five. Nobody even comes close to that to that other than maybe San Antonio at two zero oh, and three. But I mean, for the most part, you know. I think you're starting to a, a little bit start to see a separation, which you'll see in the standings when we talk about it in a minute. But yeah, Portland is just just all of a sudden coming on fire. Yeah, the fun thing about this match too, um, they had a guy get a hat trick just in the first 57 minutes of this match. Um, it was one second here. Foster Langsdorf puts three goals in by the 57th minute, and then they have four different goal scorers on the last four. So that's pretty cool to see. Also, very impressive attendance for Timbers, too. 5,857. Yeah, very, very good. You know, Portland and Seattle, you know, they – definitely know they care about their soccer you'd like to say that about the lower half of the state of california you know and and places like that where there are two teams down there but you just don't see the same as you see up there yeah i mean what's so impressive is last season there were timbers matches because they play in the major league soccer stadium they're they'd barely be getting a thousand 
and to see them jump up to almost 6,000 fans, that's pretty cool. It looks like it was actually an early match, so maybe maybe it was like a, a kid's day or something, but I don't care how you you get that number. That's an amazing number exactly. Um, exactly. for USL. Yeah, it is very good for USL, you know, for a USL game, especially against a pair of, of uh, MLS caliber clubs, so. You're looking at some other scores uh, through the weekend. You know, a lot of a lot of scores that ended up helping Phoenix Rising again, as far as the standings are concerned. Draws between Rio Grande and Swope Park Rangers nil nil. San Antonio and Tulsa draw one one. Reno and Seattle draw one one. Uh, the only other two non-draw games. Bottom of the table, Oklahoma City finally gets a win at Colorado Springs one nothing. Uh, the goal there came very late, came in the last eight minutes from Callum Ross uh, to get uh, energy finally off the schneid, off that eight-game losing streak that they had. Yeah, it's good to see them pick up something, I guess, if, if, if you support them. Um, it's just crazy to think of a nine-match losing streak in USL. It's almost as impressive as Monarchs last year, starting with all those wins in a row. Um, but, you know, it's something for them. Yeah. Still don't really see them getting back in the playoff chase. And then the other match was Las Vegas Lights falling 2-0 at home to Real Monarchs. Just an excellent, excellent away performance from Monarchs. They scored two goals early on. It was Sebastian Velazquez in the third minute and then Josh Hurd in the 22nd, and they were able to give Vegas Lights a lot of possession afterwards, but nothing really comes of it, and Monarchs able to cruise pretty easily. I mean, 26 shots for Vegas, but only 7 on target. That actually means that they had a pretty good uh, defensive performance. It was Jake Leaker in net for the Monarchs that made 7 saves to keep the shutout but uh, Monarchs look to be running away with this as far as the number one overall seed is concerned and um, I guess for us and everyone else it's a game of catch up yeah that it is a game of catch up and as we will uh, show you how that catching up is right now with the Western Conference standings uh, Real Monarchs at the top 25 points off of 10 matches played uh, despite the loss Phoenix Rising stays in second place 6-2-3, and three, 21 points in 11 matches played. They have the goal differential over Sacramento Republic, which is the second tiebreaker. Uh, there is, you know, head-to-head doesn't factor in until way down the list uh, as far as it actually doesn't even factor in at all as far as uh, uh, standings are concerned. It's, you know, your, your top tiebreakers are total wins, goal difference, and goals scored. So, I mean, right now, Phoenix Rising holds the advantage in all of those categories against Sacramento Republic at the moment. Uh, Sacramento in third, 21 points with 11 matches played, same record of 6-2-3. and three. Uh, Then it's Portland Timbers 2 and 4th with 20 points off of 11 matches played. Again, 3-1-1 one, and one in their last five matches. Uh, they're a team definitely to be on the watch out for. Uh, as you go to 5th place, as you now start to see the separation, 
Orange County SC is at 17 points off of 10 matches played, eight points away from first place already. Uh, just not even uh, a quarter into the, you know, we're just barely a quarter into the season at this point. Uh, Swole Park Rangers is in sixth place with 16 points off of 10 matches played. It's Colorado Springs in seventh with 14 points off of 12 matches played. And rounding out the top eight at the moment, 14 points. Uh, ten matches played for San Antonio FC. They hold the goal differential uh, advantage over ninth-seeded St. Louis at 14 points and a minus one, and Reno at 14 points in tenth place at a minus two goal differential. All three of those, all four, or, I'm sorry, all three of those teams, San Antonio, St. Louis, and Reno, on three wins. So obviously, goal differential playing the huge factor there right now. Then you go to 11th place, it's Fresno FC at 12 points when 11 matches played. It's Las Vegas in, in 12th, 10 points off of 9 matches played. It's Rio Grande in 13th, 9 points off of 10 matches. Seattle Sounders 2 in 14th, 8 points off of 10 matches. Uh, 15th is Oklahoma City with the win, finally pulls them up to 6 points off of 10 matches played. Uh, LA Galaxy in 16th with 6 points off of 10 matches played. And rounding out the uh, standings in 17th, Tulsa Roughnecks, 6 points off of 10 matches played. Um, other interesting note uh, in the league this week, uh, after Tampa Bay loses their Open Cup match uh, on Wednesday, uh, Tampa Bay Rowdies fired uh, Stuart uh, 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 Campbell, their coach, uh, who's, who's been, a, been a long-time coach with them. They uh, had worked with him for the last few years. He was 26, 22, and 27 in Tampa Bay. And, uh, you know, 4-5-0 and oh this season, uh, three straight losses on the road and then loss uh, in the Open Cup to uh, Jacksonville, you know, of the NPSL. Uh, even though there's, you know, they were they were in the uh, they were in the playoffs, you know, when that happened, um, they are now sitting. Let me get that number. They are now sitting below the playoff line in ninth place. Uh, a draw. They they finally broke that streak of of uh, three losses uh, with a two-two draw on Saturday against uh, Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Um, but you know, to see somebody you know, lose his job like that, unfortunately, after such a tough uh, three-game road streak, you know, and, and being such a successful coach as Campbell was, you know, being an over 500 coach, uh, really kind of surprising that uh, that this kind of went down the way it did. Well, it's, it's the nature of the business. Uh, even more so than some other sports, soccer is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately game, and the Rowdies had three losses, they lost the Open Cup to Jacksonville Armada, and a team with so much potential just could not get anything going away from home this season. And so I guess enough is enough, and I guess they had to turn somewhere else to uh, get the players playing at their full potential. We'll see how it works. I mean, so far they get a home draw in their first match, but um, hopefully Campbell finds himself another job sooner than later yeah he definitely has the resume for it oh he definitely does have the resume for it i agree um unless you have any thoughts on the standings i think we can go to supporter section questions go right ahead all right so we have 
three supporter session questions this week. And I'll just start out with the one that I don't have the answer for. Um, unless you have it. Um, this one's from a new, uh, a new uh, user, actually, at Alex Havasu 2013. Anywhere to find or listen to the new Diplo Goal Celebration song? That's a great question. I saw a couple people talking about it, and I went on a Twitter dive before this episode, and I couldn't find, like, a name anywhere. Yeah, we'll reach out to team officials and see if we can find out uh, what, what that goal song was. But a lot of people were really commenting how they liked that song so much. Um, I, I think it's something very new and very recent. I, I didn't hear it at the, uh, at the, the LA match. Of course, I was watching it on, on the stream, but even then I would have heard it there, but I didn't hear it. But, uh, yeah, people were raving about this song. And like I said, we'll reach out to team management and see if we can find out the answer to that question for you guys. For sure. Um, let me check out a couple other questions next one is pretty direct uh, this comes from pat moses at goalie and pat lubin zero saves on three shots on goal cohen seven saves on eight shots on goal that's the game rising regretting the change from was no i don't think they're regretting it i mean you know i believe it's it's carterone has a style and maybe he just didn't feel like at the end that Cohen fit that style. You know, I'm grateful that Cohen was able to catch on with Sacramento and he's doing as well as he's doing. You know, Josh stood on his head for us, I don't know how many times this season. But I agree with what Pat says if you look at, you know, you look at those stats alone. And, you know, Josh Cohen's making seven saves. Zach hadn't made one at that point, you know. There's truth in the matter that when you've practiced against people that you've played against and you know their tendencies, you're going to know what to do in that situation. You're going to know where you want to be most of the time. And I think, you know, hats off to Josh for for working his butt off and, and going back over and watching things and knowing hey, this is where I need to position myself when so-and-so has the ball. Or, you know, Didier likes to go to his left, you know, likes to go to his left when he kicks on a, when he, when he kicks penalties. And, you know, you know, Josh played a phenomenal game last night. It take nothing away from that whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, I read the question more is like, why not start was on Saturday? This is now third the third straight USL match where Zach Lubin has gotten the start and I mean I would have preferred to see Carl get that start yesterday I understand starting Zach getting the opportunities against OKC and against Tulsa teams that are not really at the top of the Western Conference you know give the backup a chance but in a big match a six pointer kind of match which yesterday's was I would have wanted to see Carl in there and I, I hope for matches upcoming because we have some important ones you know at Swope at St. Louis at Sacramento I hope that I hope that Coach Carter turns 
to Carl again and gives him those opportunities because you can say at least Carl when when he is called upon he can make those reaction saves he can keep us in matches and even in the open cup when we lost he made a big reaction save to keep it 1-1 and you know if if Carl starts I don't know necessarily that we lose that we you know don't lose the match but maybe he saves one of those chances and it's only 2-1 or maybe we can get a draw out of it or something yeah. and, um, I th- and I think you look at the fact too that Carl did play 120 minutes and did face penalties on Wednesday against Sporting AZ. So I'm, you know, I you wonder if that had anything factored into the decision as to whether he was going to play this game or not. You know, again, what I think we would have loved to have seen in an ideal situation, I think we all would have loved to have seen Dallas J make the start on Wednesday to give him the opportunity to to do what he could have done against Sporting. But you know, hindsight's 2020, and we look at it all that way. You know, and then come back with maybe come back with Carl on Saturday. I think that would have been the the wisest way to go at it. But unfortunately, you know, it is what it is. And you know, with you know, I think Carderone also felt with the way Zach, like you said, the way Zach was playing against the Oklahoma teams. You know, he deserved to come back against Sacramento and earn that effort. You know, maybe we will see Carl as we go forward on this road trip. I definitely hope so. Um... I think that's a great point made right there on that supporter section question. Um, we do have another one, um, and I think this is a very good one to end on. This comes from Max Cohen, and it's a simple question, but I think one that's on a lot of people's minds right now. What's the team's ceiling? We, you know, you and I talked about this before we even saw this question. You know, we kind of talked about this a little bit before we came on air this afternoon. This is a this is a club right now that we're not sure if we feel it's a top four caliber team right now. We're granted we are six two and and three so far. You know, we're, you know we're six two and three in our matches so far. We're twenty one points, but like you like you said earlier. Look at where those points are coming from. A win against Oklahoma City. A win against Tulsa. Two wins against LA Galaxy 2. That's 12 points from the bottom of the table. You know, a win against Fresno. You know, that's that's 15 points at the bottom of the well, table. A win against Reno. We drew Fresno. Oh, that's right. So, okay, so, so win against Reno, draw against Fresno. So that's 16 points of the 21 against the bottom of the table. We lost to Real Monarchs. We've lost now to Sacramento Republic. We drew Swope Park Rangers. Teams that are supposed to be at least as good, if not better, than we are. And we're not stepping up to the plate in those matches. You know, We've got to find a way to turn this around. Is this road trip the way to do it? It might possibly be. I mean, because you're going up against the Swope Park Rangers, who's who's sitting in sixth right now. You're going to play Sacramento again, who's playing, who's third. You've got St. Louis, who's kind of sitting on the edge, teetering one way or the other right now in the playoff race. So, if your ceiling is to be, you know, in that top three, top four discussion, you know, you've got to see better efforts against those guys. And and it's, you know, 
it's got to start from the top. It's got to start from the coaching staff, and it's got to work its way down to the players. I know I think it's that simple. Yeah, I, I mean, I think for me, ceiling is conference finals. If we get a couple favorable matchups those first two rounds, um, realistically, unless things change, and if we don't get a favorable matchup, I think we're going to lose first round. This team just hasn't done anything against teams in the playoffs this season. 19 of our 20 points have come against teams outside of the top eight. And in our matches against teams inside the top eight, uh, versus Monarchs, versus Republic, at Orange County, versus Swope Park, we have one point from those four matches. And you just you just can't expect, you know, to to say that we're a top echelon team if we're not handling our business against those teams. I mean, it just, you know, like you said, you know, unless you get a favorable matchup against somebody sitting on the lower half of that, uh, you know, the lower half of the Western Conference standings, you could be a one and done, you know. But they're, they, they, you know, you've got to find a way to get this turned around. You know, and like I said, maybe this road trip is where they start to turn it around. Maybe this three games is what they need to get away and see what they can do away from home, and prove that they're a, they're a team that can go out anywhere and and take care of their business. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I've seen this far, thus far, is we can handle business against the bad teams, but even against middle of the pack teams. We struggle. We drew Fresno. We barely beat Reno. A penalty kick right at the death. Drew um, did Orange County is still top five. That might be our most impressive result of the season. Is that a wage draw to Orange County? Um. And that's what we could have lost. I mean, granted, we scored first, but, you know, Carl had to make a couple humongous saves in that and it ended up as a draw. You know, don't look like a top team at all. It's not even that close. So hopefully we get things turned around these next few weeks. But, yeah, I think I think ceiling right now is, like, conference finals if you get, like, a fortunate first round home matchup like Colorado Springs or St. Louis and then maybe a Swope Park or an Orange County in the second round where you can win it in penalties or like win it in extra time or something but they haven't showed anything to make to make either of us think that we can win the Western Conference or even come close to the number one seed yeah uh, just there's just no way right now it can be that way unless we start turning things around uh, well that'll do it for our supporter section questions we'll definitely get back on the twitter account for an answer to that Diplo goal song question because I think that's on people's mind uh, I think all we got at this point is closing thoughts so yeah. Jeff what are your closing thoughts on this week well obviously you know for the fans, this is a very this was a very tough week. You, you take a tough loss 
in the Open Cup. You turn that around three days later, and you take another tough loss to a to a, a team that, you know, has always been a thorn in our sides in Sacramento Republic. I mean, year after year, Sacramento seems to find our number uh, in one shape or another. You know, you're thankful for the results that happened around the rest of the league that kept us in the top two in the standings. I mean, that, you know, that is a blessing in disguise that way as well. Now, we got a three-game road trip coming up here. Granted, two games within a four-day span, so they'll stay out, but then they'll come back because they'll have a 10-day break in between St. Louis and Sacramento. But, I, you know, I think a key is getting at least a win out of one of those two games on the road uh, in, in the next few days. Um I, like you said, I don't I don't care if it's in Swope or I don't care if it's in St. Louis, one or the other, you know. But at least if we can get a win, I would I would love to at least get four points out of these these two matches on the road, and if we can somehow squeak out a draw in Sacramento and get you know and get five points out of a possible nine on this trip, you know, for the three games, that would be you know a, a great effort, you know. I think we can. You know, we've done it before. I think we can give Swope Park a good a good game. You know, like I said, take a draw there. I'd be happy with it. If we get a win in St. Louis, that would be good for four. And then, you know, let your chips roll in Sacramento and see what happens. You know, but I think some lineup changes need to be made. I think, you know, if he, even if he doesn't start, I think seeing Evan Waldrop on the bench I think would be a good move, you know, in this next stretch. I think seeing Carl back in the net would be a good move. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say that we've seen the ceiling on Zach Lubin, but I just think Carl gives you a better presence in net. He seems to have, when I see him play, he has a better control of his back line than, than to me, it seems like what Zach does. And I think maybe that's the driving force here of, of what will get this team turned around is if you can get somebody who commands that back line and can take care of the situations that need to be handled there, then things can move forward, you know, through the midfield, get it out to the get it out to the edges where we can play our crossing game, get balls into the box and, and go from there. So, you know, let's hope for a positive effort as we head out onto the road this week. Yeah, and um you're totally right about it being a tough week totally right about hoping that we get to see Carl on the road um, the only thing I would add is despite these two tough results we still have a lot of season to play for and hopefully the guys keep it going in training and uh, turn a lot of that possession and a lot of those chances into goals we know that they're capable of doing it because this time last week we were raving about eight goals in two matches so I don't think now's the time to you know scream woe is us doom and gloom I mean we're still in second place in the west and realistically speaking we probably would have been knocked out in the fourth round maybe even third round of the open cup regardless so yeah it's a little frustrating that we didn't get that, that home match on Wednesday that would have been nice and a favorable chance to go up against an MLS side but at the end of the day the USL season is what we're here for and we still have a lot of that to go so I don't know if I'm confident that they're going to turn things around in a really tough match at Swope but no matter what you got to support them and I think 
we're gonna have a lot of better days before it's all said and done. So, anything to add before we sign off until next week? A couple shout-outs real quick. Uh, Shout-out, first of all, to uh, Ken Baker, who uh, I saw him before the match last night, Uh, a friend of the program, uh, listens to every episode that that we've done so far. So, uh, Ken, I thought I'd give you a little shout-out there. Um, Dominic, thanks to you for uh, covering the the, – the open cup match for firebird soccer as a you know like i said you know for for soccer in arizona it was a great night uh, to have that happen um get out and see sporting az take on fresno on wednesday night at mesa community college uh support local soccer in any way you possibly can uh and let's root these guys on to uh, uh to possibly seeing them in the fourth round yeah it would be very cool to see sporting az i mean Thank you to Aaron Blau for also getting excellent photos from the match and to Kyle Kepner for opening opening things up for us, allowing me to cover the match. And, you know, hopefully some of you guys can make it down to Mesa on Wednesday and see a really high-quality match against Fresno, who we don't really love anyways after that draw. So uh, I think that's all I got, unless you got anything else. That's all I got. Well, in that case, we will see you next week. And as always, go rising. Go rising. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is the official scarf supplier for MLS, USL, and US soccer. So be sure to go to roughneckscarves.com and get some of their products. We hope you enjoyed the show.